The gospel writers aren't great biographers. We learn not, next to nothing about Jesus' upbringing. Literally, there's this, then nothing. The photo album covering the years between his birth and the beginnings of his ministry contains a single photo, this one. First, you might assume that it is a snapshot that casts his parents in a rather negative light. Not only do they skip town without Jesus, it takes them a day before Mary's like, where's Jesus? And Joseph saw, hey, he's not my kid. But they are not as irresponsible as they might first appear. First of all, the reason for the trip to Jerusalem was Passover. Jesus, his parents, and siblings undoubtedly made this pilgrimage with extended family and neighbors for social reasons and reasons of safety. They traveled in large caravans. That's why Mary and Joseph didn't immediately notice Jesus' absence. Passover was over. Every non-Jerusalemite was leaving. Jesus was no kindergartner at this point. He's 12, Mary and Joseph. Assume he can figure out it's time to head homeward. They figure he's mixed in with cousins or friends. He'll check in at some point. Now, such assumptions seem reasonable. It's the it's the actions of the preteen Son of God that are a cause for concern. Imagine Mary and Joseph as the sun sets and the rest of the caravan sets up camp for the night. They move from campfire to campfire, from family to family, looking for their son, asking around. They leave their caravan to see if he mixed in with another, but no luck there either. So that's where they go, back to Jerusalem. But even when they get there, the hunt's far from over. In fact, we're told it lasts three days. Years ago, while on a tour of Alcatraz, a park ranger walked past holding the hand of a little girl. Maybe five minutes later, I noticed a man walking hurriedly toward me, his eyes darting about the courtyard. Seeing his frantic expression, I said, Hey, you don't happen to be looking for a little girl. He was. I said, She's with a park ranger, and they're going that way. A couple minutes after that, I saw a woman with a similar look on her face. I pointed her in the direction as well. The first point of this story is this. I am a hero. The second point is this. Losing track of your child is terrifying. I have no idea if those parents had been searching for a little over five minutes or an hour. But you can be sure that the panicked look on their faces was immediate. The look is not just a result of looking in all these places where your kid isn't. The look is a result of the struggle to keep from imagining where your kid might be. Where is she? Where is she? Don't panic. Don't panic. Where is she? Where is she? Where is she? Don't panic. Don't panic. Don't panic. In the hours before finding Jesus, we can only imagine the look on Mary and Joseph's face. They've been doing, where is he, where is he, where is he, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic, for half a week. They've no doubt heard horror stories about Roman slave traders. Did either bring that possibility up at any point? Again, it's been half a week. Who knows where you look for a 12-year-old boy? in first century Palestine. Where do you start? At what point do you start checking ditches? Since it's a 12-year-old boy, does that come before checking, say, the temple? It wouldn't be the first place I'd look. Yet, that's where he is. 
in the temple talking theology with the theologians. Even when they find him, it's not like a light bulb goes off in their head. Of course he'd be here. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, after all. No, Mary does not see him like that at this point. When she sees Jesus, she's not seeing the Word made flesh. She sees the boy who made poo-poo in diapers. She sees the boy who took his first steps holding her hand, who talked shop with his father over dinner. She sees her son. In other words, she acts like any mother would upon finding their child after a three-day search. Do you realize what you put us through? She says. We've been sick with worry. It's a total normal reaction. It's exactly what we'd expect her to say. Then Jesus responds. These are his first lines of the gospel. And already he reminds us of the adult Jesus. As he will so often, he answers a question with a question. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I must be in my father's house? Even at 12, Jesus demonstrates his remarkable ability to force us to reframe the situation. Yes, Mary's response was normal. But Jesus' question forces us to recognize something more than normal going on here. Jesus is their son, but he's not merely their son. He's one called by God. He has particular business to take care of. That's the other translation. Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? His father's business. The passage winds to a close with Luke telling us that Jesus went back to Nazareth with his folks. Thus, we get the impression that Jesus had a rebellious streak, that he liked to torture his parents. Luke tells us that Jesus was obedient to them. Luke also tells us that Mary treasured all these things in her heart. I find that a bit surprising. It's the same response she had to those wide-eyed shepherds and their talk of angels. She treasures it in her heart. In that case, the response makes sense. This I'm not so sure about. Yes, it's great that he turned out to be safe. Yes, it's nice that his teachers enjoyed his company. But the kid put her through hell for half a week. Why? Why of all things that must have gone down during those 30 years of Jesus' life does Luke give us this incident? It's an interesting passage for us to reflect on this morning. It is, after all, December 26th, the day after Christmas. Christmas and Christmas Eve and the Sunday before Christmas and Christmas Eve. Those are great Sundays for being in church. You hear the story of Jesus' birth. You light candles. You sing, you sing Christmas songs. And today, you know, we do some of that. And we get this passage. It's in the same chapter as the stories we love. The story that generates all the warm feelings of Christmas. Right before it, we have angels singing and cattle lowing. But then there's this. He's not an adult yet, but he's sure out of the manger. We don't tell this story before today because it doesn't generate the warm feelings. We save it for the people who are, who are not totally tapped out for the week, who don't take Sunday off, even the Sunday after a Christmas Saturday. It's a story that does not inspire many songs, but it tells a truth about the one born among us. Stick with Jesus beyond Christmas and you're bound to relate to Mary and Joseph at some point. After all, they've done nothing wrong in this story. They've done everything right, in fact. 
They've made the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. They've taken the family to temple first to celebrate Passover. And now they're just trying to return home and they discover they've lost Jesus. It happens. Everyone assumes you can lose Jesus when you veer off on some path of sin and self-destruction, go on a cocaine binge or uh, go on a cocaine binge or embezzle from your employer, and of course you may find a spiritual dryness in your life. But that's not the only time that can happen. Like Mary and Joseph, you can pursue the right things and find yourself in the same dry place. You want to do work that's meaningful and contributes to the common good, but you're stuck in a dead-end job or with no work at all. You raise kids to love the Lord, but they leave home and find a path, or, but they leave home and find the faith just kind of embarrassing. And you find yourself thinking, where, where, where'd he go? I assumed you'd be with me on this. I thought we were taking this trip together. With Mary, we want an explanation. We want to ask, why have you treated us like this? Look, we've been searching for you in great anxiety. The answer we must live with is the answer Jesus gave 2,000 years ago. Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Or do you, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? The good news is that the father's business is salvation. He's in the salvation business. It is the restoration of all things to God. The good news is that Jesus is devoted to that. The bad, or at least hard to swallow news, is that he remains devoted to the Father's business even when it does not conform to our personal agenda. To stick with Jesus after Christmas is to have to confront this. You know, this is not the last time that Luke describes Jesus going to Jerusalem for the Passover. He describes it one more time. It's right near the end of his earthly ministry. And in this case, again, the loved ones of Jesus will lose him. This time, however, the worst case scenario is not just in their minds. The worst case scenario will play itself out in reality. Jesus will be mocked, stripped, beaten, crucified, buried. And again, loved ones will go looking for him, not in a ditch, but in a tomb. And again, they'll be surprised to find that he's gone missing. The tomb will be empty. Again, they'll be baffled, and again, the answer to their questions will be another question. In response to their search, the angels will ask, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. In other words, remember how he told you that he must be about his Father's business, about fulfilling the Father's promises. And this is it. This dying and rising is how he is doing it. This taking upon himself sin and shame and bringing grace and forgiveness, this is how God's taking care of business. Maybe the reason Luke includes this story is that he wants to tip us off to this early on. He doesn't want us to get too enamored with the eight pounds, six ounce version of Jesus who poses nicely for Christmas cards. Because it's not enough. We need Jesus to grow up. Even if that means he's harder to keep track of, even if that means he can make us crazy at times, even if that means we find ourselves having to search and search and search for him. Luke gives us this story 
because it reminds us of what we will find at the end of that search. What we will find is that he is and has been about his father's business. He is about the work of salvation, and that is good news. News as good as gold. That's something to treasure in your heart long after Christmas has come and gone. In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, amen.